Hi there and welcome to Raising Resilient Teens, the podcast version. My name is Sasha Lester and I'm so grateful you're here with me today, where we talk about all things teenagers, raising teenagers and the joys that go with it. With that, let's kick it off. Hello, beautiful people. Here we go again. And coming in hot today, we're going to be talking about police. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've sat in a quiet room with police or detectives talking about my son or had the police knock at the front door asking me where my son is or them wanting to know what's my son been up to. Had detectives sit at a table opposite me, stealthily laying down the law of what might happen if this happens, for example. Yet each and every single time something happens or it doesn't happen, No amount of time of police coming to your front door or having those discussions with the detective sitting opposite you that you're not sitting there sweating bricks. It just doesn't get any easier. Very early on, when Harry was about 14, he actually took a bottle of alcohol out of the grog cabinet. It's one of those cabinets with the door at the front and the back. It's got the little tray on the top. Super cute. My friend gave it to me. And we had all our alcohol bottles in there. And he was quite sneaky. He took one from the back. And because we aren't big spirit drinkers, we actually didn't realise that it had been taken. He then boarded the train to school, met someone. He shared said bottle of alcohol uh, prior to school. And then he actually went to school. Whilst what he had done was completely and utterly wrong, What he didn't realise at the time was that the person that he'd shared said alcohol with was actually on antidepressants. And it doesn't take a rocket science to realise that alcohol on any level shouldn't be consumed with any prescription drugs. It's just not the done thing. And here we are talking about teenagers and young teenagers at that experimenting with this with like straight alcohol, not even mixed with anything, straight out the bottle and thinking that it was then okay just to rock up to school. Thinking about it now, I I wouldn't even actually be able to tell you if he if he had breakfast that morning or not. So potentially having alcohol straight up at eight o'clock in the morning on an empty stomach. No brainer. Anyway, the the ambulance was called at school. This a person ended up being taken to hospital, and uh, as a result from that, Harrison was suspended. In turn, we had um, I think it was about three detectives. Um, one was I think from the child safety department. They rocked up at the doorstep, and it was at a time when Harry and Addie were coming and going. And at the time, Addie was out with friends, I think, at the time, and she was due back in about an hour and a half. So I literally said that to the detectives because they called prior to them coming over. I said, yep, 
you can come at this time, Harry will be back, but you have to be gone by this time because Addison will be back. And it was at a time where I just wanted to protect her from everything because in my eyes, it was only a few things and it had passed. Little, little did I know. So we're at our table. We had a um, it was a rectangular type table, and three detectives on one side, and my partner and I, and Harry on the other side. It was a huge initiation for me that that particular incident into the world of police, detectives, and child services. It's scary. It is really freaking scary and there is no book out there that sets you up for this stuff there's no cheat sheets on what to do should this happen and i think that's what makes it even more scary for us to to navigate through this particular afternoon after i'd dealt with the fallout of the school um him getting suspended us being down a bottle of wine in the alcohol cupboard and wondering how much more taken we then had these detectives at the front door and the hardest thing for a parent I feel is when we're having those discussions with your kids and the police it's the parents that can't say anything and I remember thinking on so many occasions I can answer that question for you I know the answer to that oh let me tell you let me just interject that's incorrect Harrison tell them this blah 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 give them more information yet as a parent you have to sit there and you just have to be quiet you just have to be present and at the same time you will have feelings that you just want to reach across the table and knock some cold hard sense into your child going what were you thinking like seriously what were you thinking but at those points in time you just have to be and flip it's hard it is so hard so as a parent to a troubled teenager after harry had cracked the shits and moved out of home i actually never slept very well at all i'd work throughout the day i'd go to bed late i'd have broken sleep i'd wake up tired and it was this revolving circle of not ever actually getting solid sound sleep so i was always tired and right before going to bed and even throughout the night i'd always be checking my phone so my phone automatically goes goes to silent at 9 p.m and it clicks over at 6 a.m the following morning the only people that i have on um as in family that those calls can come through from when it is on do not disturb are my two children and my partner and my mum there's any calls that come through between 9pm and 6am that aren't those people I actually don't hear them and in the middle of the night when I'd wake up at say that you know one o'clock and three o'clock and 4.30 I'd always be checking my phone to see if there was missed phone calls from silent numbers or from Harry just letting me know that he's alive which I was always super appreciative of. When Harrison would go to a party or he'd go out with friends and just spend time with friends I'd always ask him please just let me know you're alive and please send me selfies so I know where you are at that point in time and he would always do that particularly the following morning would always wake up super early and he would say he'd send me a message I'm alive and I used to think to myself I wonder what I would actually do if I got a message saying I'm dead. He actually took it to that extreme. And I said to him, like, I just need to know 
that you're alive, honey. That's all I need to know. And that's what he gave me. I'm alive. Just a quick SMS. I'm alive. Um, and he would always send me those those random selfies throughout the evening. And on the occasion that he did, and I did wake up at those times of 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock in the morning, and I'd see a message from him saying, I'm alive. That was his, I'm alive and I'm going to bed and I'll check you in the morning. So that was a really good habit that he actually formed and he knew that it was super important to me so one particular night when he was out at a party and he was staying at a mate's I woke up at 2 a.m to multiple missed calls from a private number talk to me parents aren't these the worst private numbers a you either think they're a telemarketer and something they're trying to sell you something dodgy and you just don't want to answer the call on occasions it could be a recruiter telling you you've got a job so it's catch-22 whether you take it or not or in my circumstances during this particular time a lot of the time it was the police so this particular night 2 a.m i woke up to multiple missed phone calls from from a private number and at the end of it there was one message and it was from the police saying that the party that Harrison had been to there there'd been an incident and the the party had broken up it had been shut down they couldn't reach me so they allowed Harry to go back to Fred's place and Fred in inverted commas with Fred's dad now this was all well and good but, and I knew Fred, but I didn't know where Fred lived and I had never actually met Fred's mother or father. So here I was at two o'clock facing this dilemma of, so the party that Harrison's been to has all of a sudden been shut down. Fred's father has picked up Fred and Harrison and taken him back to a location that I actually don't know. So all these emotions started rushing over me at two o'clock. So from 2am till about, I don't know, six or seven, I was sitting there going, what's going on? And yes, I did try to call back that particular police station at two o'clock in the morning. And they're like, oh, I can't really tell you anything at this point in time. Call back when that that particular detective is on he'll be able to give you more information they actually weren't able to tell me where this person had taken my son home to they just let Harrison get into that car with Fred assuming that I knew where they were going to and I was I was just so beside myself until I heard from Harry and typical SMS in Harry style it came through I'm alive as you can imagine it um it was pretty crazy anything with your child at 2am where there is going to be police or detectives or anyone of that level of law enforcement involvement flippin' scary. And you think about those rooms that the police drag you into to have those discussions with your children and and with your children and you're sitting there as, as an observer or as you know as the adult. There's no windows and you actually feel like you're in a movie sometimes. As minors, police can't interview your children without an adult there. And in Harry's particular case, he would tend to always gravitate towards getting Gary to attend his um, his particular discussions. And they were quite frequent. There was a stage there where we were actually regular attendees down to the rail police. But it would always be myself that Harry called upon to go to to go to his court hearings. So he trusted me enough to go to his court court just he didn't want me to hear all the all the forward stuff I suppose 
you would call it. On occasions as well, when we'd get these particular calls quite often from the Rail Police Direct saying, can you please come down? We, we need to interview your son. We would sit there, we'd look at each other and it'd be a case of flip the coin, who's going this time? And we knew, or we got to know after a while that Harry always wanted Gary at those particular interviews and was quite happy for me to attend the court. So that was that was an interesting learning curve. And parents, let me assure you, these are all learning curves, but it doesn't get any easier. Talking about rail police, um, there was a time that Harry got busted by the rail police and I didn't actually know at the time that they were even such a thing. But anyway, he got busted by the rail police for running from them all because he didn't purchase a ticket to be on the train. That was the only reason why they were checking everyone. And Harrison saw that they were doing the the ticket checks and he's like, oh, my God, I don't have a ticket. The train pulled up at the station. He ran, bolted. They thought he looked suspicious. One thing led to another. Next minute, we were... um, in the rail police interview room going through the whole process again and obviously or not obviously I suppose if you're listening for a long time but obviously it was just a ticket invasion but for all that drama it just really really wasn't required the frequency that the police visit it does get less scary it's kind of like going to the dentist really or speaking on stage the more that it and I'm not even going to say a habit but the more that it kind of becomes potentially part of your routine and I say that the very heavy heart then the more that you come accustomed to it I remember one particular time two police rocked up to our front door Gary opened the door and I greeted them and it was like, hi, how are you going? And they said, oh, ma'am, do you know where Harrison is at this point in time? And I said, look, I'm really sorry, I don't. What has he done now? And they're like, oh, we just need to interview him and uh, over X, Y and Z, do you know where he is? And I'm like, actually, no, I don't. And they said, oh, you don't seem so surprised. And I remember turning around and saying to them, nothing about Harry surprises me anymore. And it was at that point in time, I suppose, that I built up a barrier of, okay, I'm locked in, we're in for the long haul, this is not going to go away anytime soon, time to get the guards up. And this is very different to the first time that the police walked through the front door, asked to talk to Harry about something specific, and and I was at the table out on the balcony, and I was I was literally a mess. I couldn't sit, I was so nervous, I was a sweaty palms, I was feeling sick and nauseous and just literally wanted it all to go away so that side of the thing that side of things gets easier do our kids even know the amount of stress that they put us under sometimes no I don't think so I really don't um another time I got this stupid notion in my head that our house was being targeted and someone had come up to guard um so someone had come up to Gary in the garden and said to him oh mate does Harrison live here Gary's like mate I don't know who you're talking to but it's just me and the dog here, mate. And the guy's going, oh, oh, okay, okay, no worries, all right. I'm so grateful that Gary is quick on his feet in thinking about these responses because 
any other response or any other hesitation to that immediate question, I actually don't know what would have come of that. And I later asked, I later asked my son, you know, is is anyone after you? Is anyone targeting you? Is anything outstanding? And he's like, no, mum, I don't know what you're talking about. Hashtag gangster life. I really did feel sometimes I was actually in a movie. And that was the only time that I called the police and I said, look, you know, this has actually happened. I don't know what to do about it. Have you got any advice? So that dealing with these situations as a parent, as well as trying to be a good role model for others and to be a great partner at the same time is draining. It is mentally, physically and emotionally draining. I've said it many times that raising our resilient teens who are going to be our future leaders, it's not like an online game. You can't engage someone else to do the hard yards for you, but you can, as parents, seek help in understanding what exactly makes them tick. And this this is where I come into play. Helping parents connect and reconnect with their teenagers is something that I am deeply passionate about. And with that, I will say thanks for tuning in and see you next time. And just like that, it's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed the last 20 or so minutes and have walked away with some golden nuggets of information. If you'd like to join our Raising Resilient Teens Facebook group, the link will be in the comments. And until next time, ciao!